Following Jesus in the present age is a perennial task. Join me, Ian Panth, biblical scholar and theologian, as I walk through the Christian scriptures and think theology out loud. If you want to dig deeper into the Bible or engage in God talk, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome. I invite you to listen in on my daily personal reflections as I follow the Robert Murray McShane Bible Reading Plan. You can find this plan on, for instance, BiblePlans.org. I'm recording these reflections, or daily devotions, to provide one example of how one individual reflects upon and reacts to Scripture. My hope is that in listening in on my personal reflections, you, the listener, will be encouraged in the development of your own daily Scripture reading habits and begin to hear, to hear the Spirit speaking to you through the Scripture. These reflections are not examples of deep exegesis and interpretation. For that, you can listen to my Slow Walk Through Revelation series or other podcasts that I produce. Rather, I'm inviting you to listen in on how my Spirit responds to the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit as He speaks to me through this daily habit. Feel free to join me twice daily as I divide the McShane family reading into morning and evening reflections. The secret readings I keep to myself. Also, feel free to simply listen to the scripture reading and spend time with the spirit and the text to form your own habit of listening to the spirit in the text. So Ananias went out and came to the house. He laid hands upon Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, the one who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Straight away, something like scales fell off from Saul's eyes, and he could see. So he rose up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Now Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for a few days, and straight away he started proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues and saying, He is the Son of God. Everyone who heard him was amazed and said, Isn't this the one who is trying to annihilate those in Jerusalem who called on this name? Hasn't he come here to bind them and lead them to the chief priests? Saul was becoming stronger and stronger and was stirring up the Jews who lived in Damascus by tying everything together and proving that Jesus is the Christ. After enough days had filled up, the Jews plotted to do away with Saul, but their plot was made known to him. They were closely watching the gates, day and night, so that they could do away with him. But his disciples took him at night, lowered him over the wall, and let him down in a large basket. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to get close to the disciples, but everyone was afraid of him and didn't believe that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas got hold of him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how on the road he saw the Lord and that he had spoken with him and how he had spoken boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. 
So he came in and went out with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He even spoke and debated with the Hellenists, but they began trying to do away with him. When the brothers got knowledge of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. And so the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria was at peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and was spreading. Now Peter would go among everyone. He even went down to the holy saints who were living in Lydda. He found there a man named Aeneas, who, because he was paralyzed, had been lying sick in bed for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up and make your bed. Straight away he rose up. Everyone who was living in Lydda and Shara, Sharon Straight away he rose up. Everyone who was living in Lida and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, that is, translated as Dorcas. She was full of good works and deeds of charity. But during those days she became sick and died, so they washed her and placed her in an upper room. Now since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. So they sent two men to him, asking, Don't hesitate to come to us. So Peter rose up and went with them. When they arrived, they led him into the upper room and showed him all the widows, weeping and pointing out shirts and cloaks that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter threw them all outside, and he bent his knees to pray. Then he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, rise up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her get up. Then he called to the holy saints and widows and showed her to be alive. Now this became known throughout all of Joppa, and many, but, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for a few days with a certain Simon, a leather worker. That ends the reading of Acts chapter 9. But as he was getting near Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then he said, Who are you, Lord? Then he said, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. But rise up and go into the city, and it will be told to you what is necessary for you to do. The men who were traveling with him, though, just stood by, speechless. They heard the voice, but saw no one. So Saul rose up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he couldn't see and did not eat or drink. Now there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Rise up and go over to the street called Straight, and in the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. He saw a man in a vision, one named Ananias, who came and laid hands upon him so that he could see. But Ananias responded, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, how much evil he did to your holy saints in Jerusalem. He even has authority here from the chief priest to bind everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go. He is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, 
both to kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much it is necessary for him to suffer on behalf of my name. So today's reading is uh, for the evening of July 22nd is Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to read from Joel Anderson's translation of the New Testament. So Acts chapter 9. But Saul was still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he could find any of the way, either men or women, he could bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Acts chapter 9 is the famous story of Saul on the Damascus Road, such a famous story that it's become um, a phrase in our culture to have a Damascus Road experience, which is sort of like this fundamental shift of perspective. And of course, we're introduced to Saul at the stoning of Stephen, and Saul doesn't take part in the stoning of him, but uh, the text says he approves of him proves of the stoning and he's the one guarding the belongings of the people actually uh, who actually murder Stephen and just a reminder that Luke the author of this text traveled with Saul knew Saul well so you know he's uh, getting his information and his perspective on things probably from direct conversations with Saul, who's going to uh, shortly in this text be more commonly referred to as Paul. Saul is likely his Hebraic name, and Paul is more his uh, Greek version of the name, his Greek name. Uh, lots of people who uh, are live kind of in the midst of two cultures uh, have uh, often have two, two names one in their home language and one in their adoptive language so uh, I think specifically in Canada of uh, uh, lots of Chinese people have their Chinese name and their their English English name and I like to learn their Chinese name if I if I can I like to learn people's um, name they were were given uh, and if I can try it, a lot of times um, people won't even make the effort to to learn someone's given name. And the assumption is, oh, it's just easier. And unfortunately, in some cultures, uh, um, North America, for instance, like immigrants that for a time, I'm not sure if this is the case still now, but that English name was referred to as their Christian name. So in that sense, you know, if you're, if a name is being thrust upon you uh, by another culture that can make that sort of, oh, this is your Christian name as like this uh, imperial kind of colonizing name that you've been given. Uh, and I really, like if you make a little effort, it's not too hard to learn someone's name uh, even if it doesn't flow easily off your tongue the first, first few times. And my name is Ian, which is, you know, Scottish-English name. But people seem to have difficulty with that name now. It's not... It, it really shouldn't be foreign to Canada. But I get Ian, I get Yawn, I get all sorts of things. 
And I don't take the events at it. It's just like a, a correct. And it's really not too hard to learn. But apparently, for some people, it's very difficult to say and uh, even more difficult to spell despite to spell even despite the fact that it, my version of Ian is only three letters long. Uh, so yeah, you can take the time to learn learn someone's name, but of course, call the person what they want to be called. Um, so I'm just as we're dealing with the Damascus Road experience. Uh, so Saul is. He is zealously uh, seeking out what in the text here is called the people of the way. And that that seems to be one of the earliest uh, perhaps self-designations of the followers of Christ. So again, like, and I, I think that's a really like something we shouldn't lose in terms of being followers of Christ. Paul himself in his letters is going to use uh, m the metaphor of walking uh, quite frequently. So walking in the way, so walking in the spirit, uh, you know, following Christ is just this image of walking. Remember, that's what pretty much the disciples did with him for, for three years was walk with him from town to town. And it's, it's following the path that he is leading and learning from him as you go and and the other element of that and this is something that I have grown to understand over my years of being a Christian and uh, something that I emphasize and try to instill in my fellow Christians is that how we do something as a, as a, is as important as what we do I think sometimes in Christian history and certainly in contemporary contemporary situations, some Christians can get so focused on delivering facts and doctrines that they ignore how they're delivering them. So you can say truthful things, but you can say truthful things in a hateful way. Right? You can utter truthful statements about God, but you can you can do so in a in a way that isn't Christ-like, in a way that isn't uh, isn't helping people to fall in love with who Jesus is. So you can, uh, the way, the truth, and the life, you can utter the truth in a way that is not life-giving and in a, way, in a way that is not the way of Jesus. And for many of us, we've certainly experienced that. I've, <laughs> I've definitely experienced that from my my fellow Christians where they begin to be, become so focused on having the right set of beliefs that they stop to care stop caring about the people around them and only begin and only care about those having every jot and tittle in the right <laughs> right order Right, and so a reminder that the early church called themselves the way, and they sought to follow Christ in in particular ways and practices, and in uh, exuding, as Paul's later going to say, the, the the fruit of the spirit. And I was recently reading, and I'll, let me see if I can remember where that was. Uh, 
I was recent. I know I recently read it, but it was somebody expressing that that the fruits of the spirit. That's not a list of fruit, like individual discrete things. It's Paul trying to express uh, as he's kind of mentally translating the idea. It's like uh, this exuberant, like these are the kinds of things that the spirit produces. So it's not an exhaustive list it's the the kindness self-control gentle spirit like it's these are all adjectives describing what the what the spirit is like and then therefore if you are in, walking in the spirit you will also produce these kinds of fruit right and so it's not an exhaustive list although it's helpful to memorize and to remind yourselves oh am i <laughs> is the fruit I'm bearing goodness, kindness, gentleness, uh, self-control? Are are those the kinds of things that are flowing forth from me? Because if not, maybe I'm not walking in step with the Spirit. Uh, so that's something to think about. And so this this experience for Paul, and <laughs> for those who then have to encounter, uh, sorry, Saul at this point, Saul. Uh, First of all, he's confronted and he's open to this kind of thing, right? He's, he's, he is deeply rooted in his scriptures and has uh, utmost trust and faith in him. They have, they have shaped him. And so even his persecution of the early followers of Christ, the people of the way, is coming out of how... He's understanding. He sees them as betraying the scriptures. But of course, as he encounters on the road, he's like, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. So Jesus identifies himself with the people of the way. And uh, Saul is having this experience where he's encountering the risen Lord. And, and of course, if what the people of the way have been saying all along is true and now he's encountering uh the one who has risen from the dead the one who can like stop him in his tracks appear in the glory that he associates with uh the god who brought israel out of egypt on sinai that kind of glory experience and that this one identifies himself with the people he's persecuting then he's got some radical re-understanding of of the scriptures to do and then of course he experiences this physical blindness now and the people around him they hear the voice but they don't see what he sees and it's an interesting little play on um the sense of sight here because saul sees the risen christ but then becomes physically blind. The people in his party uh, are blind to the vision of the risen Christ, but they can still see, uh, they can hear the voice. So they, there is some sort of like, yeah, we heard that too. And then Paul's like visually impaired. He can't see at this point. So uh, they take him and uh, then uh, poor uh Ananias also has a word from the Lord. So we like remember the Holy Spirit is active 
and uh, speaking to people like the prophetic voices kind of opened up again and he's like I want you to go I, w I want you to find this guy Saul of Tarsus and I'll, I'm going to ask you to heal him as well wait 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 you mean the guy that is actively hunting us down you want me to deal with him I'm terrified to do that well I sent him a dream and I said you're the one that's going to come and do this so I want you to go do it trust me Ananias uh trusts the risen Lord trusts Jesus at this point and goes and does this and there's like even even after he heals Saul and uh, introduces him to the community and Saul's rethinking and trying to understand how to read the scriptures in light of Christ or how Christ interpreted the scriptures there's fear and trepidation understandably in the community is he functioning as a spy at this point is he infiltrating us just in order to turn us all in? So that's the kind of thing that's going on in this in this text, where um, the one who was the big persecutor uh, now with this experience is the very one that that Jesus is going to choose uh, and says, you know, this is the guy that I'm actually going to send to the Gentiles. You so if you recall when I was talking about them choosing. Uh, Peter uh, saying, well, we're down to 11 because of Judas. Um, so this would be Acts 1 or 2, if you go back and listen to that personal reflection. Um, Peter was like, oh, we're down to 11 and we need to go back up to 12, right? Because 12 is a symbolic number that represents like the, the new, new Israel, right? There were 12 tribes, 12 disciples. That's why there's 12. And he's like, well, we need... We need a 12th to, you know, kind of complete that number again, symbolically. And they cast lots to figure out who that should be. And the lot falls to Matthew, uh, Matthew, I believe. And I raise the question, and this is, this is an open question. I don't know if there's any real way to resolve it, but one possible reading, and, and I kind of lean in this direction, is that that going back to the old ways like they're they're told to wait they're told uh to wait for the holy spirit and typical in my view this is typical peter it's like well we need to fill this role now we've got 11 and we need 12 and so they cast lots which is this old way of doing things uh new wine old wineskin and I think they're supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit because, uh, well, you know, the Lord is going to choose who's going to fill that role. He, he's the one that called the first disciples and he called Judas and he'll call the next one. And so for me, as, and, and Matthew is hardly mentioned again, right? So he's not this big prominent figure uh, in this narrative i i wonder if you know this is part part of the narrative is that you know jesus was waiting on uh saul like saul is the one jesus is going to call so the 11 are are largely dealing with um i mean they do go out into the world but you know at first they're dealing with mostly their fellow jews 
but as we see here, Paul is the one who's going to be really called to go out to the non-Jewish community, the Gentiles. And there's going to be struggles in Acts, and then we'll see it uh, also referenced in Galatians, between um, even the, the disciples like Peter and, and James and Paul. And Paul is going to challenge them in terms of how they're interpreting the text and what the new covenant actually means in terms of bringing in the Gentiles. So that's going to be an issue that, that comes up. Uh, and that's not to denigrate Peter, but, you know, throughout Peter becomes a sort of foil for the one who charges ahead and then has to be corrected. And even in his relationship with Paul, uh, Peter's going to have a little bit more inconsistency and Paul's going to have to push him forward into really accepting. And Jesus is going to have to push Paul forward because Paul uh, pushed Peter forward. Sorry, because Peter's going to have to have a vision uh, <laughs> in order to open him up to actually engaging with the Gentiles. Jesus is going to go, no, this is really what I want. But we'll, we'll get to that. And so I do, I do wonder about that. Um, the quick appointing of Matthew, not to say that Matthew's not, uh, you know, he was with, with Christ. It's just, I wonder if there's something going on in Luke's telling of the story that he's trying to say. No, actually, once again, uh, Jesus' vision is bigger than his disciples. The disciples are already kind of developing a, a, a hardened way of thinking, and Jesus kind of keeps blasting open new opportunities and going nope my vision's much bigger nope my vision's much bigger nope i want to include these people um i'm even gonna bring the one who persecutes you in to be a leader in the community and you know write a large portion of uh what becomes the christian scriptures uh and then uh we have peter uh again doing a healing including raising somebody from the dead in the power of the spirit and uh, these are continue to be mighty mighty deeds that give glory and a certain level of uh, credence and weight to their their spreading of the of the good news right so it's like just the same as uh, Jesus did uh, signs and wonders uh, that he would use to go to verify, hey, what I'm saying is true. Okay, you really need some kind of sign? All right, well, I'll raise this person from the dead or uh, I'll heal this person. The paradigmatic one for me there is the, the guy that comes to get, the paralytic who comes to get healed uh, and Jesus first forgives his sins. And so uh, that's not to say we should expect this all the time. Um, some people go to the extreme of thinking that that we we should just be able to heal all diseases and things. But it, I have no doubts that in certain times, in even in the present day, uh, God allows um, and and acts in such a way that uh, his, uh, someone can do some of these mighty kind of deeds. Uh, but it, it's pointing back uh, and glorifying the the good news of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the coming of uh, the kingdom and the new creation. So yeah, those are my thoughts today uh, in reaction to 
Thank you for joining me for this evening's personal reflection as I follow through Robert Murray McShane's Bible reading plan, which can be found on, uh, for instance, BiblePlans.org. If you have found this helpful, encouraging, uh, have you found it a, a way to begin to form your own habit of daily Bible reading and to give you an idea of the just one person's way of reflecting on scripture, then don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, the readings and reflections will be posted twice daily, a morning and an evening. The morning probably around 8 o'clock and the evening uh, I'll try to post for around 5 o'clock. But, you know, find that space and time, whether it's while you're driving uh, to work or riding the bus, or uh, for me, a lot of what I do is while I'm walking the dogs. And uh, yeah, just try to form your own daily habit and daily practice. So I hope you find this helpful. Uh, again, subscribe and select notifications so that you're informed of future podcasts. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Starcross Kingdoms. If you like this content, well, you probably already know what to do. Like, subscribe, and please share. Also, feel free to send in your questions. Just keep them friendly and conversational, and that way I'll be far more likely to respond to them. Until next time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.